this is us. We cry and worship. This is us. We give him yeses. This is us. We give him a yes that, <laughs> that breaks our whole swag. Take a picture with somebody. Post it. Hashtag this is us at HVCLA. How many are glad to be a part of this house? To be even in this house today. This is a family. Amen. This, this is, this is literally us. Amen. So we're going to the word of the Lord. I asked our creative director to help me because I did not have an actual title for today's message. I did not. I know what we're going, but I just couldn't title it properly. Maybe some of you preachers in the room can do a better job for me. So I'm just going to tell you what we're going to talk about. All right. Last week, we talked about me. We talked about the me. How, how did that go? <laughs> Anybody else been reading Psalm 139 this week? Yeah, like crazy, right? Like really dealing with us. You have to get the me right. Many times the we's of our life don't work because the me of our life is not working. I'm going to say that one more time. For many of us, the we's of our life are not working because the me of our life is not working. So even though you may have been saying that just to get out of a situation, it actually was true. It's not you. It's <laughs> it genuinely is me. And so uh, last week we dealt with the the me, uh, but now we're going to deal with the you. We're going to deal with the you. We're going to deal with the other persons, person, persons, people. We're going to deal with them. I had narrowed my text. Uh, but then the Holy Spirit arrested me and said, uh, stop trying to do my job. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so we're, we're going to look at the, the, the passage of text that the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart as it relates to how we engage with others. Uh, but since we're going to deal with that text exegetically, there's a quote that's going to come on the screens in a moment uh, that is a teaching of Dr. Ricky Rush who is the senior pastor of the Inspired Body of Christ in Dallas, Texas. Pastors, uh, an amazing church uh, in Texas where they are believed to be fishers of men. And uh, when I was with him earlier this year, actually in February uh, at IBOC, he said to us, maturity isn't getting older or getting wiser. It is developing the ability to see things from another person's point of view. Hear that. Maturity isn't getting older or getting wiser. It is developing the ability to see things from another person's point of view. I embrace Dr. Rush's thoughts as my own. Because I understand now more than ever that everybody is not me. Yep, 
I understand now more than ever before that even though I have my own set of lenses to view life from, even though, <laughs> excuse me, I have my own life to live, even though I, I, I have my own experiences, yours is different. What you need to understand right now is that it does not matter how old you are. It does not matter how much quote-unquote wisdom you have ascertained. If you cannot find yourself at a place to where you can understand another person's point of view. Now notice, notice, I didn't say embrace it as your own. Notice, he actually does, does not say that we agree with it, but that we see it. And many times, we fail at being to others what we need to be for them because we cannot see them. We cannot see their point of view. We cannot see the world from their eyes. So as we move through this text today, the biggest thing that I want to lift up to you is that we strive for the concept of maturity that allows us by the aid of the Holy Spirit to be able to see someone else's point of view and to at least understand their why. I was at my son's commencement uh, ceremony last night. And uh, congratulate you again, son, for graduating from high school. Uh, we was praying hard. Hallelujah. He made it. Amen. And we're going to keep praying for the next four years. Glory to God. Uh, one of the instructors or the advisors, actually, as he's speaking to his advisory class, as they are getting ready to receive their diplomas, he says, if you know your why, You'll know your way. That's not mine. I believe that's Mr. Lopez. <laughs> if you know or find your why, you will know your way. And the same is true for others. If you find out somebody's why, you will understand their way. Not to say that you will agree with it or that you would even follow them on that path. But if you know why you will be able to understand their way. Many times we judge people simply on the product of their actions and not their reasoning. But I want to lift up to you a text today from Paul's writing to the church at Rome that will challenge everything we do towards other people. And so join me in Romans 12. Join me in Romans 12. Now, uh, you, you, you don't have to stand because we're going to walk through this a little bit. And then we're going to, uh, to, to uh, open the doors of the church. And, and we're going to give our tithe. And then we're going to go uh, and see folk get baptized. And I'm excited about that. Somebody getting baptized today, glory to God. All the work we did with that pool, you're going to get baptized today. Somebody who didn't even sign up for baptism, go get baptized today. You're going to feel the Holy Ghost prick your spirit. And we're going to put you in that pool, glory to God. And you're going to take your faith public in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Nisi, for that amen. Romans chapter 12. Let's start at verse 9. Start at verse 9. 
Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Here it is. Fake is a sin. Fake. Fake. Counterfeit. Not real. It is sinful before God to perpetrate that which is not true because it is literally a lie. And not only is it a lie, but it is also a shame before the one who gives the genuine sentiment. I'm going to say that because I, I don't have long to give you this. Let your love be genuine. The reason why Paul has to say this is because clearly there is love being distributed among the house of God that is counterfeit in nature. And so he tells the Roman church, now I know y'all throw around that word love a lot. But make sure that when you give it to somebody, that it's genuine. And notice this. He puts genuine love in the same context of evil and good. So if we were to, to, to fuse this concept, it is to say that if we are loving people in a false way, we are actually engaging in evil. It is evil to do things under the auspices of love that's not true. He says, in fact, I want you to abhor that. I want you to come away from that. And I want you to hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. In other words, love one another in a way that determines that you have to stay there because of your relation, not your relationship. Many times, we feel no obligation to be in people's lives because we are not family. But if we begin to look at everybody, especially those in the household of faith, if we begin to look at them as our family, it would change the way we treat them or it would change the way we think about them. So he says, I, I need you to engage in a brotherly affection. In other words, treat them like your family because in the spirit they are. And then furthermore, he goes on to tell them that you ought to outdo one another in showing honor. I just have this question. How can I get to the place, man, I'm hearing you, God, that your will be done. How do I get to the place to where I can beat you honoring you? Many times we are vying, and not just in the church, but just in life. Many times we are vying for honor. 
we're struggling to be honored. But he says, I need you to find yourself at a place to where you are doing your very best to honor your brothers and your sisters in God. It should be your desire. It should be your heart to want to honor your neighbor, to want to honor your brother, honor your sister. Look at the people around you. Ask yourself, how am I honoring them? Even the people in, in your immediate sphere, ask yourself, how am I honoring them? Am I the type of person that will bend over backwards to do good for them, to bless them, to be kind to them? Or am I the one always looking for somebody to do something for me? Am I the one that always wants the seat of honor, but is never giving the seat of honor? Am I the one that, that, that wants everybody to come to my party, but I can't show up for anybody else's? Am, am, am I the one that has something to say, but never an ear to listen? I honor you if I hear you. Don't miss that. I'm moving. But I honor you if I hear you. Don't tell me you honor me if you don't listen to me. Uh, Jesus says, listen. You are my disciples if you do what I say. That's how I know you honor me. And too many times we have allowed ourselves to live in dishonor toward others. And we didn't even know it. Because we didn't do anything that was quote unquote dishonorable. Please understand. If we are not listening to one another, we are not honoring one another. Do not be slothful in zeal. But be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Here's a question that I need to ask you now. How many of you met the need of somebody else this week? Not, not, not your household. Not the folk that, you're, that you, you are responsible for by law. But how, how many of us have, have seen a genuine need that was not on our docket? And we stopped ourselves. We, we halted our life for a moment and we addressed the need that was presented to us. He says that that is the posture that we should take. Many of us, we are not attentive to enough to be kind. And some of us, we're not mean people. We're just busy. Some of us are not terrible people. We just have a lot on our plates. But I pray that in this new week, God will grant you the grace to begin to open up your heart, to begin to see to the needs of others. But then also he goes on to say, show hospitality. How many of you have found yourself at the opportunity to be hospitable to somebody this week? That means that you are, you are showing them kindness in a particular way as it relates to where you reside, where you work, as it relates to that which belongs to you. Now, we may not open our doors every week. and We, we, we may not have parties consistently, but there are ways in our life that, here it is, you show hospitality when you bless people who are in your space. 
Now, whatever space that is and wherever that space is, when you find yourself in that space and when you invite somebody into that space and you are sharing kindness with them, you have just become hospitable. You have just shown hospitality. So now with that understanding in mind, make up in your mind this week that I'm going to be hospitable to somebody. I'm going to be hospitable to somebody. I'm going to live in hospitality. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Oh, Lord. Ooh, we got to. Ooh. Now, let's deal with this because understand, Paul does not have dementia at this moment. He doesn't have dementia. He's, he's not senile. So if, he's, if he repeats himself, it's, it's not because he forgot that he said it the first way, but it's because he's saying it for emphasis. Now let's deal with this quickly. He says, bless those who persecute you. Semicolon. When we are persecuted, generally, generally our response is not necessarily to persecute them, but at the very least to defend ourselves. If I'm being persecuted, oh no, I didn't. You know, you don't know me like that. You don't know where I was. You know, all those, all those good defenses that we throw out there. But he says, on, 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 on the onset of persecution, your goal is to bless your persecutor. Bless the person who is hurling accusation at you. What? He says, I want you to bless them. And the reason why he is instructing us to bless those that persecute us, because when we bless them, watch this, don't miss this, and it's very simple in the text. When we bless them, we challenge the very charge that they are persecuting us with. Did anybody miss it? No, we got it. When I bless somebody that's persecuting me, what I'm literally doing is I, I am discrediting, I'm disproving whatever they say I am or I did. Because I'm doing the will of God. I am blessing them. Blessings come from God. And whenever I, 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 I am blessing someone else or I become a blessing to someone else, I then dismantle their prosecution or their persecution rather. I put myself in a place, watch this, not that I didn't do what they said because sometimes it was true. But what I do is I put myself under the auspices of the almighty God and then he becomes my advocate. When I invoke a blessing, watch this, I invoke the God of the blessing. Don't miss it. So when you bless somebody, you're calling upon the blesser. And when the blesser shows up to render a blessing to them, he also renders grace. Because the Bible says, here it is in Corinthians, he says he multiplies seed for the sower. So whatever I give away, I get more of. All right. But then he says, bless and do not curse. He says, all right, I want you to do that, but don't, don't make it, as, as, as the old folk would say, don't make it a backhanded compliment. Don't bless them and then go to your chamber and dismantle your blessing. 
oh, excuse me, their blessing. Because in reality, when we bless them, we are receiving a blessing ourselves. But God says, if you bless somebody and then go to your chamber and then curse them, you re- watch this, you revoke your blessing while they stay blessed. Bless and do not curse. So if you're going to say it about them, if you're going to bless them, if you're going to do it, do it and shut your mouth. And wrestle with your thoughts and your spirit. Listen, listen, you need to understand, this, this, is, what, this is what Paul says, I, I, I love the apostle, he says, I beat my body under subjection daily. Some of us, we are not as strong as we need to be in the spirit because we don't fight ourselves enough. Some of us are at the will of our flesh and we don't fight that thing and we don't, listen, I, I, Y'all pray for me. Uh, I have to cuss myself out sometimes. No, just listen. Just walk with me. Don't leave me yet. I promise. It's going. It's going. I have to challenge myself, James. Who do you think you are? Do not talk to them like that. Watch your mouth. Something. Something. Word. Please. You are not all that. When we contend with our flesh, our spirit becomes stronger. So he says, bless, but watch that curse. Watch the stuff that you say after you've done what God told you to do. This is why Jonah is under a juniper tree crying after he prophesies. Because he, he, he spoke the word of the Lord, but then cursed him in his heart. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Condition yourself according to the context of others. Don't miss this. Condition yourself according to the context of others. Many of us, we never have impact in other people's lives because we don't allow ourselves to to feel the temperature of their situation. We We don't know the severity of what they're going through and we try to remedy their situation from our context. We try to fix their problems with our fix. You're not them, they're not you, that's not your life. So if they're rejoicing, then what do you do? Rejoice with them. You know what we do? They're rejoicing. Why are you so happy? What you smiling about? Make sure you condition yourself according to their context. Now listen, I didn't say that you embrace their context. I said just embrace their condition. Don't don't, don't miss this. It's cool in here. It is a, a, a nice, comfortable 72 in this room right now. Amen. Amen. We give, we we pay our bills, glory to God, so we got air, glory to God. It's a nice 72, but if you go outside, it's probably a little warmish, 82, something like that. Now watch this. You're the same in here and out there. But 
your, you feel according to the condition that you're in. And many of us, we look crazy going into a cold place with shorts and a tank top on. And we look crazy going to the sauna with a parka. Right? But we go into folks' life with no context of their life, with no understanding of where they are, and get to quoting scriptures and spewing out falsehood, thinking that we're going to do them good. No. If, 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 if it's weeping up in here, let's weep. And if it's rejoicing up in here, let's rejoice. Now notice, I, 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 hear some, I hear somebody's religion challenging me in their spirit. And they say, well now, well I come to speak life. Listen. We serve a God that can handle that. And if we let God be divine and we be human, I promise you we'd have greater relationships. But we try to be the divine when all he's asking you in this moment, be human. Y'all didn't, y'all missed it. Okay. When Jesus wanted to deal with us, he didn't come down and say, I am Jesus. Here's my spirit. You can't see me, but hear my spooky Holy Ghost voice. Why does Jesus sound like Donald Trump? I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's fix that. Mm. So when Jesus wanted to deal with man, he came what? As a man. If you want to help deal with somebody's situation, you have to come in and be common. You you have to come in where they are. You have to engage in the way that they engage. You have to be a part of what they are a part of. Does that make sense? We're talking about the other. Live in harmony with one another. And do not, okay, I gotta say, I gotta say this. Here it is. It's not about uniformity. Everybody doesn't have to do the exact same thing. We just have to blend. Listen what he said. He said, listen, he said, live in harmony. Harmony is you got the top, I got the middle, they got the bottom. And as we, as we, as we sing out our life together, it blends. Okay, everybody can't be alto, everybody can't be soprano, everybody can't be tenor. But if we just be who we are, if we just stay where we are and do what we do, then we will find ourselves in the place to where we are making such a sound in the earth that people have to hear and respond to. Many of us, we can't move anything because what we're, the noise we're making is repelling people, not bringing them toward us. Do not be haughty. Do not be haughty. Please understand and wrap this around your mind right now. You are human. You are human. Don't try to levitate. <laughs> I already know what you're going to send me, Mike. Don't try to levitate. Don't, don't try, don't try to, to, to lord yourself over anybody else. Just be right there on the ground. And let God be God where we are. Do not be haughty. But associate with the lowly. Do not make your, never find yourself at a place to where you are so elevated that the lowly among you cannot be touched by you. 
Many times those who we classify as lowly are those who are closest to God. Some of us who are too lifted up, we act like we don't need him anymore. So he has to take some stuff from us to where we, re we remember that it was actually him that gave it to us in the first place. Never be wise in your own sight. In other words, find yourself in a place to where you are always receiving wisdom. Not to where you are at a place to where your word is, I am wisdom. You are the recipient of wisdom. You are not wisdom. Everything you give is a result of what God has given you. And thusly, you have to make sure that you are always at a place to where you can receive more from him. And everything that you disseminate to those around you, it needs to be prefaced by the fact that it comes from God. Stop taking all the credit for what you do. Make it clear that it is God that has done this. And then, and then if, if we could just put something else in there, let somebody else speak your praise. I, I know the old folk would tell us it's a sad dog that don't wag its own tail. Amen. But I, I have not seen a dog hurt a dog yet. I said, hey, you see how I caught that bone? Did you see that? Did you see how I went and jumped up and got that frisbee? Did you see it? Earth, did you see it? You, you know that was awesome. You know that was awesome. We have to allow ourselves to receive the praise and the honor of others. Here it is. Repay no one evil for evil, but give, watch this, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You can be honorable even in a dishonorable situation because your honor is based on who you are, not who they are or what they've done. You have to be honorable in the situation. I can give honor to people who are not honorable. And actually, it's my biblical responsibility to give them honor. And yes, we hear what the word says, give honor to whom honor is due. He did, watch this. Listen, 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 listen to what the scripture says. He says, give thought to do what is honorable. And even in circumstances or situations where you feel like they don't deserve honor, you still have an obligation to be honorable. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. You have to be honorable in different situations. This is, this is how people are changed. This is how minds and hearts are corrected because we are being honorable to God in the sight of all, even though we're in a dishonorable situation, even though evil may be given to us. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Find a peaceful place. Find a peaceful place, even in the height of war, especially earlier in the century and in centuries past, whenever there were wars, there was always a place of sanctuary. And soldiers on either side of the war line understood that when somebody went in the sanctuary, went in the house of God, went in the church, went in the temple, we didn't touch them there. And if you can't find anything to be at common or to be at peace with somebody about, create a sanctuary in that context. 
to where at least when we go here, we live in peace. We do not war. We do not fight. And if, if you're wise, you'd make yourself to where you live in the sanctuary. So that peace remains. And even though you may feel at, at odds with this person, you overshadow the, 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 the issues that you have. You, you overshadow all of, of the animosity that is between you because you're living in a sanctuary. It's, 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 it's hard to say the least, but we have to do so. He says, it depends on you. Hear me, people of God. You will be the one that determines how good your relationship with them goes. That's what the scripture says. So much as it depends on you, you will determine it. And here's the amazing thing. Peace repels conflict. And so if you continue to live in peace, they will either change or they will leave. And if they change, then we, we praise God. And if they leave, we praise God. But we find ourselves at the place where we are, where we should be, even when people aren't. Because, beloved, sometimes they will not be. But you will do your best to understand why things are the way they are while you're holding the posture that the Bible has called you and commands you to hold. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Don't miss that. <laughs> Let him handle them. Let him deal with it. I know that's hard. I know that's heavy. But he says, do not, do not avenge yourself. Do not go back and try to Try to say it, try to do it, try to make them feel it. I, I felt that in my spirit. Because some of us, some of us, we have a heavy desire to make them feel what we felt. Here's the thing. They will never feel what you felt because they're not you. Even if you did the same thing to them they still would not feel it the way you felt it because they're not you. So it is futile for you to make them hurt like you hurt because it'll never happen. Their context is different. They are a different person. Here it is. To the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. I know this is going to beat us up this week. This whole text as we, as we live through this. Because this is us. He says, listen to me. If your enemy is in need and you have the resource, bless your enemy. Now. When we see that by doing the good to them, we're going to heap hot coals on their head. Many of us, and I preached it before in, in my younger years, in my, in my, less, my less mature years. Uh, I would preach this, yeah, do, do, do good to them because you're going to burn them up. 
you gonna, you gonna mess them up. They ain't even they ain't even gonna know what to do with you. That's how I would preach it. That's how I would preach it. But these are the same coals that the seraphims took off the altar and put on the tongue of Isaiah to sanctify him and make him ready for the work that God had called him to do. So if that be true, if that context be aligned to this, the heaping coals that are lumped on their head is to sanctify their thinking. He says, if you do good to others, what will happen is you will begin to sanctify the way they, the way they think about you and the way they think about the world. Everybody expects evil to meet evil. Everybody expects you to do what was done to you. But we change the paradigm. We engage in disruptive activity when we do kind deeds to those who do evil to us. He says you heap coals on their head and it is those very coals that will begin to sanctify, that will begin to sear, that will begin to change the very way that they view you and the world. Is that helping anybody? Do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As you live in this world, you will not be able to stop evil. But when you continue to respond negatively to the evil that is done to you, when you continue to engage in the evil, you will be overcome by it. It will become you. It will take you over. But if you respond with good, goodness will overtake the evil. You can change somebody's life by doing good to them. You can change a situation simply by exerting goodness in that situation. I challenge you to read this text throughout this week. And apply it to your life so that the way you treat people is different. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the challenge of the scripture. We thank you that we have many directives as it relates to how we should treat other people. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would teach us how to treat them. Whoever they may be, wherever they may be. Father God, I pray that you would take every one of the principles that have been presented through this scripture and that you would etch it into our spirit. Engrave it into our souls whereby we will be able to be a better me in the we. Father God, allow us to gain perspective. Allow us to be able to see and understand the point of view of others. Whereby we may live according to your holy and divine standard. God, we want to be everything you've called us to be. We want to do everything you've called us to do. We want to have the very thing that you've called us to have. And we know that it's on the other side of us obeying you. So we pray now that we would 
address this scripture to our lives. For we understand this is us. And it is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did anybody hear from the Lord today? Receive something from God? I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. As the old preacher would say, the doors of the church.